had this, I had lunch with Angela this week and she was sharing with me just some insights that God had shown her about being the scripture, be still and know that I'm God, which fits with what we're going to talk about tonight. So, well, I just said, bring that. So I want her to share that first thing right off the bat. Um, it's kind of cool to, you know, at the beginning of every year, everybody's trying to set a, a resolution or whatever. And I thought he just said, just each day, ask me what I want to show you. And then it went into like, so often we just go to the scripture to be encouraged, right? We want to, we want to be affirmed for what God's showing us or what we've heard or what's in our life. And we're just always going for something to encourage us. And he said, but what if you pray for the word, for my word to encourage you, but to correct you? Oh, what? I mean, we, we always say, you know, damn in my heart, but how often, and how often do we pray, would you let my word correct me? So every day I've started saying, Lord, will you encourage me? In your word, but we also correct me, and he has sure corrected me every single day. Um, <laughs> but he's sweetly giving me things too, and this was one um, that uh, he showed me in Psalm 46. I just was reading, "Be still and know that I am God." And so I started with "know." So what does it mean to know? Well, we know that's yada. Almost all of us know yada is to know, which is also learn to know, be aware know by experience, and learn to know. And so then I went backwards, and I was like, okay, so what does be still mean? And it's rapa, and it's to sink, to relax, to let alone, to withdraw, to cease, to let go, to become helpless, to sink down, and without anxiety. So it's like, okay, to become more aware or to know him, I've got to relax. I have to sink down. I have to cease. I have to have no anxiety. And so I just was able to sit there that day and go, wow, if I just, like, I'm going to know you the more I just, I let it go. And I just sink into you and I relax into you and I lean back into you. And it's a really more simple than we think because that's it. it that's how we get still and then that's how we know. So it's just really revelatory for me. So he longs to come close. So don't let him pass us by by not getting still. And that word, no, that word, yada, y'all remember when we did a series on marriage, that word yada is what the Bible uses when it says Adam knew Eve and they conceived a child. It's the intimacy of oneness. It's the intimacy of oneness. Um, so I'm just going to share. I'm just going for it, y'all. Y'all okay with that? Yes, I'm just going to go for it. And um, it's okay if you think I'm worried. You can just zip right out of me. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to share with you. I had the most unusual experience this week. And I may weep and I may stand and jig around. Who knows what I'm going to do tonight. But this week as I was praying for y'all and praying for this time, the Lord kept rolling around. You know, this truth, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. Do you all know that? The purpose of the Old Testament is God was bringing forth a seed pod to redeem the world. And he had it hidden in the Old Testament. But the New Testament is Jesus revealed. And when you take the New Testament and you put it on the Old Testament, you see Jesus. And it changes you. Just like when you look in a mirror it fixes your appearance because you see, oh my gosh, my mascara is smashed into my eyes. When you look into the Word of God and you see Jesus, 
you see who you really are if you belong to him. Right. And it changes you. It changes you. Think about that for a minute. If I look at Jesus, it changes me. So with that, the Lord, all, this week when I was praying for you, I had the, these images come up in my heart. So I'm just going to share the images. I'm going to tell you what I feel like I heard. And each one of these, tonight I'm going to give you concepts. And each one of these concepts could be a week teaching just itself. And that's why I was so nervous about tonight. Um, but I am trusting God that I'm not going to lose anyone. That you're going to be right, right with me. So this is what, when I was praying, and then I'm going to read some scriptures, and we're going to jump right in. As I prayed for you this week, God kept bringing the theme to my heart of him wanting to come and make his abode mm. in your life. And the images of the tabernacle, the Old Testament tabernacle, kept rumbling in my spirit. And things, things of Jesus were being shown to me about the, the Old Testament tabernacle. And how Jesus was revealed and hidden in there in every single thing that it was. And how God hid Jesus in the Old Testament stories over and over again. There are so many things that the disciples understood the moment the Holy Spirit hit them just from their knowledge of the Old Testament. Yeah. Where it was like, he's been here all along. He's been here all along. And when I finish tonight, I'm hoping that you'll have a moment like that. Because I, I'm just going to show you a bunch of different things. Um, and we're going to look at scripture. But some of these things... It would just be too tedious if we looked up every Bible verse. But I do have some I can send to you through Melaine later, if you need that. Um, but I want to start with this, this these two scriptures. I want to look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, 3. 2 Corinthians 3. Oh, Josh, baby? Yes. Can you get the... the I need those pink, my oh, pink glasses okay, right now. My pink glasses right there. I need those glasses. I know that I can adjust my phone and make it bigger, but I haven't done that. I should do that. All right, y'all ready? In 2 Corinthians 3, um, I'm going to start at verse 4. Paul, Paul is, uh, he's talking about the spirit and not the letter of the law. Remember in our in our church family we talk a lot about what tree you're living at. Mm -hmm. In the garden there was a tree that brought death. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Trying to fix yourself, trying to make yourself mm -hmm. be right. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then there was another tree in the garden that was the tree of life. And the tree of life is when you yield to Jesus and he lives through you. He changes who you are. Um so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse Four, it says, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I want to stop for just a second and say what Paul was trying to communicate. In the New Testament, when it speaks of the Old Testament law, it calls it the ministry of death, 
The reason why is because the law was so strict, no one, no physical person had the ability to keep it, and the consequence for breaking it was death. Like, according to the Old Testament law, if your child was disobedient and they were brought before the Pharisees, they took them to the edge of town and stoned them to death. If someone was caught in adultery, they were brought before the Pharisees, they took them, do you understand? They could not keep it. So it was a ministry of death. Um, that's why it's called that. So let's keep going. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on sto stones, was glorious, so glorious that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, that glory which is passing away, how will the ministry of the Holy Spirit not be more glorious. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is more glorious. Therefore, because that's true, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, that same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. The veil is taken away in Christ. Amen. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What Paul is saying here is when you look at the Old Testament through the Lord Jesus Christ, you see clearly what's there. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord. The reason why I read this is because this scripture, the Karen Paraphrase Translation, literally says, when we, through our relationship with Jesus, look in the old covenant and see Jesus, it makes us become like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Are you yes. with me? Yes. So tonight, we're going to look in the Old Testament. And if I'm talking, this is just how I talk when the anointing comes. I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm being gruff, but I'm really, I love you. So I love your guts, all of you. <laughs> um, but if you knew me, I'm really shy and it's really, this is supernatural. What's occurring here is supernatural more than you could possibly know. So this week, one of the things that the Lord, I mean, y'all, I was so overcome. And we're going to start with the encampment of the children of Israel. Do you know that the children of Israel had 12 tribes? They multiplied in the millions of people. Yet when they set up their camp, the way God divided them into tribes, everything about their camp spoke of the cross. Mm -hmm. 
Everything about their camp spoke of the cross. In fact, so much when Balaam, the story of Balaam in the Old Testament, when Balaam went up on the hill to curse him and he looked down, he couldn't curse him because he saw the cross. And he didn't know why he couldn't speak against the cross, but he couldn't. So when we look at that and we see, oh my goodness, that's a cross. It's like this. Mm-hmm. When I look at the creation story, and at the end of cre- the creation story in Genesis uh, 4 at the end, when God is driving Adam and Eve out of the garden, the Bible says this. It says that God placed a flaming sword. Boom, I'm a sword. What am I? I'm a cross. It says it's a flaming sword, so in the middle there's a flame. What's that? The day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. And then it says, guarding this way to the tree of life is the flaming sword. Jesus said, my word is a sword. Mm-hmm. Are you still with me? Mm-hmm. So I've got the sword, I've got the cross, the flame of, the, of Pentecost. And then it says these creatures called cherubim are flying all around, guarding the access here. So tonight we're going to talk about these cherubim creatures and see Jesus in them. Are you with me? Yes. yes. Okay, so the reason why we're doing that is because when we see Jesus in the Old Testament, the Bible says it makes us be more like him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will t- so, okay, here we go. We're going to take off. I want to read this scripture. Do you have the passion? Somebody have the sure, passion? Sure, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't want the passion. Hebrews 9, let's start at uh, Hebrews 9, 4. Let's do that. You read for me, baby. Okay. So not the Passion? Yeah, just do NIV or King, King James. King James. Yeah. Start back up at verse 1. Verse 9, verse 1. Okay. Sorry, just have to go back to... Here, I've got it. I've got it right here. Okay. Back at one? Uh-huh. Okay. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service in the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the tab- table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the, the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicated indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic of the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But Christ. But Christ. Keep going. Came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, 
not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sacrifices for purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Amen. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the <coughs> eternal inheritance. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify what we've just read into really simple, y'all know my maiden name is Layman's term. I'm going to give it to you in Layman's term. <laughs> okay, so the ministry of the priesthood. It's very important if you don't understand this truth about the ministry of the priesthood, but when you do, what we just read becomes so significant. What we just read in the scripture, he said that the priests, the Old Testament priests, they were natural people. These Old Testament priests made mistakes. They had to work to keep their conscience clear. They had to work to eat the right foods. They had to work to keep and obey the law. And if they didn't, when they entered the Holy of Holies, they had a rope around their ankle because if they didn't maintain the level of purity that God had set, they could actually drop dead when God's presence manifests because the glory of God is as destructive of evil as it is a blessing to good. And so when they would go into the Holy of Holies to do this final sacrifice for the people every year, once a year when they would do this to justify the people, it relied on that person's ability to keep all these things. Are y'all with me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what we just read was we have a better covenant because our covenant relied on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is why this is significant. Y'all remember the story mm-hmm. of Samuel? Yes. Mm-hmm. In 1 Samuel, we hear about a woman named Hannah. Hannah, she was barren. She wanted to have a child. She went to the temple night and day. She cried out to the Lord for a child. And God gave her a son. And she dedicated her first son to the Lord. Now, Hannah had several other children after that. But she gave the son Samuel and dedicated and God called him as a prophet in the house. And most of us are familiar with the story that in the middle of the night, while Eli was training Samuel, God speaks to Samuel and calls him. And Eli tells him, uh, say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Most of us know that part of the story. But the other part of the story, what God said to Samuel, most people skip over. Because to be really honest, it's not very pleasant. But for what we're sharing tonight, it's very significant. What God spoke to Samuel was Eli's family had desecrated the temple. They were having sex with the women who came in to worship the Lord. And they were destroying what God wanted to do for his people in the house of God. And what God spoke to Samuel that night is, I'm taking Eli's family out of the priesthood and I'm setting you in because I have your heart. Mm -hmm. Now, why would a loving God do that? This is why. Yes. Because in God, the priest, the high priest, represents the people to God. Mm -hmm. And when you have a godly high priest, God deals with the people according to the high priest. Mm -hmm. If you have a good high priest who follows God's law, who does what God says, 
God blesses you the way that he says blessing will come. But it's totally dependent on the high priest. Mm -hmm. The voice of the prophet represents God's voice to the people, but the high priest, so the Bible says it this way, so goes the high priest, so goes the people. Mm -hmm. If you have a good high priest, the people are blessed. If you have a bad high priest, the people... So why would it be such incredibly good news that Jesus has become our high priest mm-hmm. after, the, after the, the call of Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek? Because he was absolutely perfect. Because he was absolutely perfect. He pleased God in every possible way. So forever, eternally, yes. we have a high priest representing us before God, and God deals with us according to him, Amen. not according to Amen. us. Thank you, Lord. That is such good news, such Amen. good news. Thank you, Lord. So I want to, we want to look at a few things. Y'all still with me? Yes. yes. Um, so I want to go back to these cherubim. So I want to, I want to point out some places where the cherubim are, and then I want to, I want to bring it all together for you. The cherubim, we see them, they make their first appearance in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, like I said, in the garden, and they're guarding the flaming sword. The second time we hear of the cherubim is in the book of Exodus, when God meets with Moses and explains how he wants the temple set up, what he wants in the temple, because the cherubim are what's on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Right? The cherubim Mm -hmm. are on top of the Ark of the Covenant. We just read in Hebrews what's in that Ark, we're going to go back and visit that in a second. Then the third time we see the cherubim is in the book of Ezekiel. Now, what I love about Ezekiel is Ezekiel actually sees into heaven. Ezekiel gives us tremendous great detail about what they look like, what, um, what they're like, what they do, what he sees them doing. And then we also see the cherubim again in the book of Revelation in heaven. Okay, so we're going to talk about about them just a little bit, okay? Um, Let's look at Ezekiel 1. Starting in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the thirteenth year of the fourth month of the fifth day, as... I was among the captives by the river Sabar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw the visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Hardname, the word of the Lord came expressively to Ezekiel the priest, the son of of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming from the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. Brightness was all around it, radiating out of it in the midst of it was the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance, they had the likeness of a man. So the four living creatures are also what we are calling cherubim, and he's going to say that in a minute. But the first thing he tells us is that they have an appearance of a man. Okay? The appearance was like a likeness of a man. Each one had four faces. 
Each one had four wings. Everybody say four faces. Four faces. Four wings. Four wings. Four in the Bible represents the earth. And the reason why this creature has four faces and four wings is because its main ministry is in the earth. Um, when you see that in the Bible, how we know that is we're in the earth. We have four seasons, right? Mm -hmm. We have four directions, right? Mm -hmm. It's talking about the earth and the earth, okay? Um, each one had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. The soles of their feet were like the soles of calf's feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under the wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. This is important that it was on the right side. Each of the four had a face of an ox on the left side. Each of the four had a face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, their wings stretched apart. Two wings of each touched one another, and the two covered their bodies. Each one went straight forward. And they went wherever the Spirit wanted them to go. And they did not turn other than where they went. So the reason why I'm reading this is because it is one of the places that describes these cherubim so clearly. Um, and I'm going to show you as we go just some pictures to help you understand why this is so significant. So we're going to jump back to the children of Israel and their encampment. When the children of Israel were divided and they traveled throughout the wilderness and they made camp. They were um, ordered by God to set themselves up in groupings. God divided them into groupings. There were four main groupings. The tribe of Gad, the tribe of Ephraim, the tribe, let's see, hold, hold, hold. The tribe of Gad, the tribe of Ephraim, the tribe of Dan, and the tribe of Reuben. Okay, and they were divided into these tribes. Um, the 12 tribes were divided into sections, and the sections were led by these particular tribes. Why is this significant? Because each one of these were designated to a direction, and that direction was where those tribes camped. Are you still with me? Yes. Now, we just read that on the, on the cherubim, each face had a particular direction they were. Are you still with mm -hmm. me? Right? You still here? Okay, so when the 12 tribes, every tribe had a color and a banner or what they called a standard. Hmm. You know the scripture, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. Yep. Hmm. That's what it's talking about. So each tribe had a standard and this standard. So if I were the tribe of Gad, I would have this standard. And when they would set up camp, which makes no sense, this is not strategically smart, they would set up camp to where everything faced the center of camp. Mm. And in the center of the camp was the tabernacle of meeting where God's presence would rest. Are you all still with me? Mm -hmm. So they would all set up. So their back would be out here. So if an enemy approached, they had their back to the enemy. They had their face to the presence. And before you got to where the tabernacle was, was each tribe's section's standard. 
and that standard was put in the ground and it was a specific color and each standard had an image on it. Let's look at what those images are. Are y'all with me? Okay, remember our shape of our camp is what? Cross. And what's in the center? Fire. The fire of God's presence on the altar, just like our flaming sword with the fire in it in the garden. Are y'all still with me? Yes. Okay, so to the north, there was a tribe named Dan. The color of its standard was blue, and on it was an image of an eagle. To the, to the south was the tribe of Gad. On it was an image of a man. And the color of it was white. To the west was the tribe of Ephraim. The color of it was scarlet, and the image on it was an ox. And then to the east was the tribe of Reuben, and the image on it, it was the lion, and its color was purple. Why is this significant? To the east was um, Judah Issachar, Judah Issachar Zebulun. To the south was um, Reuben, Simeon, Gad. To the north was Dan, Asher, Naphtali. To the, to the west was Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin. So it's, you have Judah, which is the longest side. You have Ephraim, which is the shortest side. Reuben, Reuben Simeon, Gad to the south. And Dan, Asher, Naphtali, it spells the word Dan to the north in the shape of a cross. Yeah. Wow. The point is the banner and the standards. Because the standards are the faces that we just said mm-hmm. on the cherubim. Mm-hmm. Yes. The images that are on the standard saying that through this standard you have access to the flame of God's presence. Mm-hmm. Are you still with me? Mm-hmm. Yes. So our, our creatures that are roving the earth, are you still with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this same creature we see in two other places of significance. And I'm going to show you some pictures. I really struggled this week because I'm sure you do this too, Mark. But when you go trying to find pictures of this that are accurate, there are just none. Like you want to go, guys, like this is in Exodus, like right here. Um, But in the, in, in, so the tabernacle of Moses looks like, it looked like this. And in the, do you see the cross? Mm -hmm. And that's where the outer court was, where the sacrifice would be. This was the inner court. Now, what the Bible actually says is on this veil, on the inner court here, there are two cherubim that are like what's on the top of the Holy of Holies of the Ar- and the Ark okay. of the Covenant. And those cherubim, so I need helpers. Uh, yeah, come right here. Let's move the communion tray. I need helpers. Uh, you sit You sit here. You sit over here. And you come over. You stand over okay. here. No, right here. Okay. 
right here. Okay, they're going to be our cherubim. So we're going to imagine that they have the four faces, right? And they said they had four wings, right? And they said their four wings were touching, weren't they? So here they are. They're touching. So imagine here's one set of wings, but down here is another set of wings. Right here is the Ark of the Covenant, and in it is everything from the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. We've got the Ten Commandments. We've got the manna that Jesus says now he's the bread of life. And we've got the eternal Levitical priesthood that was represented by Aaron's rod that budded. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And it's locked under here. And there's these two images. And this is what's called the mercy seat. So put your hands down here. So there's these two creatures, and this is the mercy seat, which the New Testament says if you receive Jesus, this is where you live. Yes. So when you read things like Psalm 91 that says you're inaccessible, mm -hmm. do you see how I'm inaccessible? Mm -hmm. yes. Yes. Why? Because I'm surrounded by the image of Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. All right. So let's look at some things about another place where we see these. So in the outer court, it shows that image of those two cherubim with their wings touching. Uh, the outer court. Sorry. The outer court shows the cherubim facing one another with their wings touching. And in the inner court, in the Holy of Holies, it shows every individual face. Mm. Wow. Yet, we know on the cross what happened to that veil. It was torn from top to bottom mm -hmm. when Jesus said it was finished. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus was fulfilling what went on there completely himself. Amen. But what I want you to see is the different perspectives of access to God and intimacy. Mm -hmm. When we're in the outer court, we're coming to God in humility. When we're out where the sacrifices are made, we're coming to God in humility like she was talking about getting low. But as you come in and you begin to recognize by faith what the Holy Spirit does inside of you to give you access to God, what Jesus has paid for for you, you cross through there. And then to live from the Holy of Holies, you get personal revelation of each one of these. Stay with me just a second. Okay, stay with me just a second. So, each one of these images that we saw on the tribes, so the tribes, the way the tribes were set up, they have the standard, the center is God's presence. Each image that's on their banner represents something of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's declaring by their actions, they're actually physically living out the only access to this presence right here yeah. is through this. Mm -hmm. Is through this. Y'all still with me? Yes. So, when you come to the New Testament, so I just want to share so that the images that are there. So the four faces of these cherubim that we're seeing everywhere, these are the four faces. One is the image of the lion. And the lion shows us Jesus as king. Mm -hmm. And when you bring this revelation to the New Testament, the lion is depicted in the book of Matthew. 
because the book of Matthew starts Jesus' lineage with King David mm -hmm. to establish that Jesus was the king. Mm -hmm. Forever and always the king. Mm -hmm. And in the book of Matthew, you'll see treasures of the authority that belongs to you because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. When you read the book of Matthew, there are things about God's authority that's been given to you because you're covenant with Jesus that you'll only find in the book of Matthew. The second image was the image of an ox. The image of an ox is Jesus as a servant. And it's the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, the most common word in the book of Mark is immediately or quickly because a servant comes quickly. Mm -hmm. They do it quickly. They move quickly. Mm -hmm. There are lots of the works of Jesus in the book of Mark because he was a servant that laid down his life. The third image was the image of a man. Jesus, the man, is the book of Luke. I, we're going to do a teaching in a couple of weeks where I'm going to take you through the book of Luke. It's the only gospel that records Jesus' prayer life, mm -hmm. but it actually shows how Jesus went out. Why would it do that? Because to live as a man in the earth, you need to get with God every day. And Jesus was demonstrating to us we need to get with God every day. The genealogy in the book of Luke goes back to Adam. Because God is establishing that he is a man. He was all man, all God. And then the fourth image was the eagle. And the eagle shows us Jesus' deity. And it's the book of John. The book of John is the only gospel that records the prayer in the garden. It's the only one that shows us insight and perspective from heaven. And it also shows Jesus' heart crying out as deity to protect his precious people. Mm -hmm. It's the only gospel that tells you about living in Christ before Paul. Mm -hmm. So why am I showing you these images? So we see all these images. We see the encampment declaring that the only access to this presence of God is Jesus. Um, we see the Ark of the Covenant with the two cherubim on top and the mercy seat, which is a picture of where we're supposed to live, dwelling in him, dwelling in that place. Um, Angel and I were talking this week that in, in, in God life, there are tensions we are all constantly living by. There's a tension that I am called by God to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Yet I am to walk in all power and authority that's been given to me. Yes. So I'm supposed to be bold and walk in power and authority and humble at the same time. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There are tensions we live in in God. I'm supposed to live today as though Jesus is coming, but leave an inheritance for my children and my children's children. I'm supposed to occupy until he comes. Those two things are completely opposites, but I'm supposed to live with that. Part of how you do that is by understanding the position Jesus has given you. Mm -hmm. Because when you understand the position that he gave you in the gift, the Bible says, of righteousness. Yes. Your right standing with God was a gift right. to you from Jesus. Right. Yes. It's not something you earn. 
It's something he gave you because he died and did it perfectly. And when you understand the gift of righteousness, you humble yourself in faith. And when you understand the gift of righteousness, you're bold Mm -hmm. in faith because it's a gift. Mm -hmm. And it's God moving through you because he's all God and it's all him, but he does it because of Jesus. Mark, I can see you about to explode over there. What do you want to say? Are you good? Would you tell me? Okay. So, um... priesthood so I just want to finish I want to finish with this I want to bring us back around to this because this is what captivated me this week so with all these images um, that I've shown you I just want to read this little this little deal this is from have y'all ever done the heard about the Emmaus Road experience yes. this is off their their little thing but this week when I was doing all this stuff and I was looking for pictures I pulled this up and and there was something that just jumped out at me because I was thinking just about um, about the spirit of Christ moving in the earth before Jesus was incarnate is really what I was thinking about. And I was thinking about how God's goodness just held things in place until Jesus came. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, so... So if every image that's on the veil, just stay with me for a minute, if every image that's on the veil that's in the Holy of Holies, it literally means that there was a picture of Jesus right there in the Holy of Holies the whole time they were making sacrifices. That the fact that God was even merciful ever was because Jesus was there. Are y'all still with me? I'd never seen it that way before. Mm-hmm. Had you? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to share this, this, this thing because it really got me. So um, in John 14, 1 through 6, somebody read that. John 14, 1 through 6. Got it. Okay. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, not have, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, where and where I go, you know, yeah. and the way you know. Yes. Okay. I'm going to read that out of the Amplified. <clears throat> Hold on just a second. I want to read it. Are you already there? Uh, John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in and adhere to and trust, rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust, rely on me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Everyone say dwelling places. Dwelling places. If it were so, I would not have told you. I am going, for I am going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come back 
again and take you to myself that where I am you may be also and where I am going I know the way then Jesus Thomas said Lord show us the way don't you love Thomas and his mm -hmm. like just he'd be me like mm -hmm. clueless wonder um, and then verse 6 Jesus says I am the way the truth the life no one comes to the Father except by me. Okay, so I want to show you something. So when Jesus is saying this, it's in the context of the dwelling place that Jesus is talking about is your heart. He says, dwell in me. In the next chapter, he says, dwell in me, live in me, remain in me, abide in me. Cut off from union with me, you can do nothing. The dwelling places he's talking about are places hidden in Christ mm -hmm. that we explore through these images we're talking tonight. Are y'all still mm -hmm. with me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to show you something because when he said this, it made them mad as hornets. And this is why. So in this picture right here where we see the, the tabernacle and the, the outer court, I mean the the altar right here where they put the burnt sacrifices in the rabbinical tradition this entrance right here this entrance was known as the way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this entrance was known as the way y'all still with me yes. yes when you pass through to the holy place which was the first part of the tabernacle right here y'all see this right here mm -hmm. This way, this was the holy place was known in the rabbinical tradition as the entrance called the truth. Mm -hmm. Y'all still with me? The entrance to the holy place in the rabbinical tradition, the entrance was known as the truth. And mm -hmm. then the, in the most holy place, in the holy of holies, the rabbinical tradition called that place. I bet you can guess. The life. So when Jesus makes this bold statement in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. They all immediately knew because of their Old Testament roots. He was boldly saying, I am your forever access pass to God. Yes. Yes. You want to access God? It is through me. I am the only way. Yes. This system is gone. I'm the only on. system. That's good. That's so good. That's right. Are you with me? Yes. Yes. And every time we explore something of these image of Jesus, yes. we're changed to be more like him. Every time we, we, we press to get in. What I want you to leave and take away is there are scriptures that just exploded in my heart because I was thinking about the Holy of Holies and how terrifying it must have been to be a priest. I mean, can you imagine being a priest and your job was to live so pure before God to represent the people? And you go in and it's so serious they put a rope because some people drop dead in there. Mm -hmm. Like, think about the realities as a human being of this job. But yet I was thinking about it today, 
in this light. So think, so here I am, the priest in the Holy of Holies, and I'm doing my business. And behind me is this huge veil. Mm. And this veil has an image of Jesus, an image of Jesus, an image of Jesus, mm. an image of Jesus. So Jesus is right there at my back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, if I go to the heights of heaven, he's there. Yeah. Yes. If I go to the depths of hell, he's there. Yeah. He's right there. Yeah. He's right there. If this holy of holies life picture, the place that was the life, was supposed to be a picture of you. Yes. 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 That whatever you're doing in life, Amen. here he is, right here, backing you up. Yes. Here he is. Right there with you. Here he is. And that you should have such confidence towards God. I love, one of the things I love about Jesus so much is even preparing for this message tonight, which I hope I didn't butcher it, Mark. You'll fix me when it's over. Thank God for Mark. Um, but even when I was preparing this for tonight, I was like, Lord, this seems so ethereal. Like, this seems so, I just don't think I can do this. Mm. And it was like, the Lord, you're right, you can't. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right, you can't. <laughs> That's exactly right, you can't. But I'm not without him. I always have him. Because yes. when I gave my life to him, he came in to live in me. Mm -hmm. And when he came in to live with me, I always have him. And there's nothing wrong with agreeing with the fact that you can't do something mm -hmm. as long as you don't stop there. Mm -hmm. Because humility that pleases God is humility by faith. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that I desperately need a Savior. Yes. But I have one. Yes, yes. that's yes. right. Thank I desperately Lord. know that I yes. am a sinner. Yes. But I have salvation. Yes. I desperately know that without Jesus, I am unrighteous, but in him, I have the gift he's given me of his life that forever represents me before God. Yeah, yeah. 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 So good. I'm insufficient. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, tonight, my, my title for tonight's message was Jesus, you're all access pass to God. Mm. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever forget that He's your all access pass to the tree of life. And you can enter all different ways. You can enter through kingdom authority, declaring and ruling and reigning. You can enter humbly like the servant, as an ox. And you can enter as a man. And the gift of righteousness will cover you. And here's the kicker. You can walk in with deity because the Bible says we will forever rule and reign with him. Amen. Forever we'll rule and reign with him.